Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're in the doghouse. And have you checked to see, just in case you're in the Diamond Dog rotation for this weekend? Let's talk about that, as well as Bulldog basketball and their postseason opportunities and other things here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Doghouse, sponsored by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray, and no, I'm not in the rotation for this weekend. I never was much in anybody's rotation, as it turns out, but uh, so much the worse for me. So much the better for the Bulldogs now that they have decided to shake it up yet again. Okay, shaking it up is probably a little too strong of a way to put it. Uh, Those are ideas that take place more like in mid-season when you've given guys repeated, repeated, repeated chances or somebody's finally gotten healthy and moved in. Now, this rotation has been all wide open in development since the season started. And State, of course, went with their reliables from last year, Cade Smith, Casey Hunt, and your one-two punch. Well, now they're both out of the rotation for this weekend. Um, maybe some surprise about Smith, but you look at his statistics, you look at Casey Hunt's statistics for that matter, you look at uh, a couple other guys and you see if there's one stat that jumps out, it's the walks to strikeouts ratio. Now, Mississippi State as a staff still has a much stronger ratio there, 100 strikeouts, 59 walks. That's not strong enough, though. It should be on a good pitching staff more like 100 to 30. Well, when I guess the best way to sum it up is they're getting plenty of strikeouts, but the staff is not throwing enough strikes. And that is why Coach Chris Lamonis and the pitching coach Scott Foxhall have made the next move. They already made one move. Casey Hunt struggling was replaced by a Graham Eitma last week against Arizona State. That paid off well. Well, Eitma stays in the rotation this weekend, and now they're moving up the most unusual pitcher not just in the um, SEC, but in the college game particularly. And I keep looking it up, have to remind myself, because I'm not Jim Ellis and I don't study these things well. Gerangelo Senja, the left-hander, the right-hander, the both-hander, the I'm going to get you struck out whatever way I want to throw the ball. He not only moves into the rotation, He's going to be lead dog tomorrow when Mississippi State lines up against Ohio State at 6 o'clock in Frisco, Texas. Is this a lot to throw on the guy's shoulders this early in his uh, college career? Not a bit. If you watched him pitch a couple of games already, yeah, he's ready. And in fact, when he was not put out there against Southern Miss on Tuesday night, it was a very clear signal all around. He was going to not just pitch, but start so at some point this weekend. Now, moving up to Friday, that was a little bit of a surprise. I would not have thought that Cade Smith would uh, drop out of the rotation entirely, but he has. So now they're going to come back with the Sanja as your number one guy. He's going to throw, well, <laughs> I guess I've, I want to, I need to check the game notes to see how do they list him as, you know, right hand, left hand, both hands, switch thrower. Uh, it's going to be a hoot for the announcers out there. Media are going to love him. We already do at Mississippi State for sure. Uh, Graham Eitnema will stay in the second role. So Mississippi State's making some moves already this season only because this was pretty much inevitable. 
once the veterans, and they were given chances, but unlike previous years and previous coaches, not too many chances to show that they just either weren't ready or had lost something or maybe were struggling or maybe just the fact they weren't as good as the other guys behind them at this point. So Chris Lamonis and Scott Foxhole are pulling the trigger earlier than usual on this. It's not a panic move. This is something that was going to happen in the course of the season at some point. As they figure, the earlier the better. They're playing good competition, but of course State beat good competition last week in Arizona State. They beat good competition Tuesday night in a 10-9 victory over Southern Mississippi. Now, it wasn't a good game. Uh, it was entertaining if you like 10-9 sorts of games with lots of errors, way too many walks, long, slow play, horrific home plate umpiring on balls and strikes for both teams. But as far as baseball purists, you just kind of cringe and think, this is not how it's supposed to be between a national champion of two years ago and a super regional host last year. Uh, it just maybe it says more about the fact of how much turnover there is in the college game these days. Never mind. Mississippi State won the game. Now they've won two games against Arizona State, so they build up a little momentum going into this Frisco series out in Texas. Ohio State at 6 o'clock tomorrow. Oklahoma, now that's interesting because that's going to be a future, and not too far in the future now, SEC matchup, 1 o'clock on Saturday. And Cal, who's uh, of not any conference in particular interest, 11 o'clock Central, 11 a.m. I need to stress. So it's a good tournament for State. It's a good test. Uh, Foxhall and Lamonis and Gotro, they like to overload the schedule up front in years they feel confident about the team. Uh, remember that uh, playing out in Texas two years ago, came home 2-1, and the one loss, if a ball gets through the right side of the infield, they probably win that game and sweep. But it still, it set the stage for a really good season. Yeah, I'd say winning a national championship is a really good season. Well, they feel this team's up to the test, and they're going to go on the road again now with a couple of home series in the belt, a semi-neutral site, great crowd down in Pearl again, and a pretty good participation from Southern Mississippi as well. So a lot going on with the Bulldogs getting ready for that. But first, we need to talk about our sponsor. Yes, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. Uh, they didn't mention golf. That's getting fired up now. Uh, anyway. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag and receive your 50%, that's right, folks, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, all caps, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Well, the game starts again, 6 o'clock tomorrow at Central out in the Texas Plains. So what's going on with the Bulldogs generally now? Uh, winning those two games against Arizona State in impressive style, still there's a bitter taste in how they lost the first game to Arizona State and more so a really ugly loss to Louisiana Monroe earlier in the week. Well, again, pitching. 
and this goes beyond the rotation. It also goes to the entire staff. I mentioned the fact about strikeouts versus strikes. State has just got to get more productive, more efficient, just get just more period at getting things done on the mound. What the staff ERA five three three three? That's not acceptable in pre-conference play, especially. I don't care what your strength of schedule is. If you hope to be a contender, you can't have a plus five ERA this few games into the season. You certainly can't have that many walks against you. Now, let's also stress, too, that the opposing pitching has thrown a couple more walks and a heck of a lot less strikeouts. But State's given up doubles. They've given up home runs. They're giving up a lot of stolen bases, another very sore point. And it just comes down to the fact that State's got guys which can start out well against a batter but just not finish them off. Pitch counts get up. Umpires get Eh, maybe a little lured into um, not giving the close calls and the frustration mounts, the physical tear goes and it throws your whole rotation plan out of whack. It throws your, um, by rotation, I mean your bullpen rotation, who you bring in first, your second, your matchup guys, your setup guys and your closers. I like the way that Nate Dome has played. Absolutely. And, Here's the impressive fact about him. In 7.1 innings, he only, and air quotes, only has a six strikeouts against two walks. But his batting average is 182. He has just been able to go out there and get outs. But the problem is, you're using him a few more innings, maybe here early, than you really truly wanted to. Now, part of that is Aaron Nixon, who I think by all accounts was expected to be your closer, was not able to go the other night. We don't know what his status is going to be for this weekend. We'll have to find out as the series plays out. The other thing about Dome that kind of concerns me is not he himself. And by the way, he's only given up three runs this season, and two of them are sacrifice flies. You don't hold sack flies against pitchers in general. Although I think one of those was set up by, what, a couple of wild pitches by another pitcher the other night? See, that's what I'm getting at, in a way. Nate Dome or other guys who are pitching well, This here's the frustration. When they do pitch well and get the ground ball you're supposed to get, You've got a defense out there that already has 16 errors on the season. I, I hate to start out so early on the ultra negative, but that's what it is. This defensive team is just, you know, Coach Lamonis and Coach Gotro, they defend the guys, no pun intended, and because that's who they are. That's the best they figure they have. But when your left side of the infield already has seven errors through nine games, that's Slate Alford and Lane Forsythe. You just wonder how much can this hold up? And this is non-conference play. What's going to happen SEC batters get up there and hit even better balls, balls with more spin, balls with more movement on it, and how will the defense cope with those? And I think, too, when teams get into an error mode like that, players press. They try to make a perfect throw instead of just make the good throw. There have been a couple of cases already this season where State had easy or relatively easy outs on the middle infield back and just didn't get the right throw there and pulled the runner off, stretched him out, didn't get it in time while the base runner was able to slide in. 
that's been a concern. That, that may remain a concern, too, because, well, for one thing, you're not going to replace Slade Alford in the batting order. What do you in foresight? God bless the young man. Y'all, everybody's been trying to knock him out of the lineup for three years now. Well, he hits his first home run last weekend. He comes through with some contact in the Southern Miss series, and here he is with a 4-4-4 slugging average. That's right, Lane Forsythe slugging at 44% on the season. And his nine runs scored is, let's see, oh, tied for fourth most on the team. No, it is fourth most on the team. So how do you deny a guy who he's got twice as many walks and twice as many hits as he does strikeouts? So the guy is really delivering. I'm, it really makes it difficult to start making moves defensively. But if the rest of the offense is good enough, you've got to think about it, especially when David Mershon does get healthy. We thought last week he'd be ready to go. He wasn't. We still don't know what his full status is. And as you recall, Lamonis over the years has been kind of coy talking about injuries, not to protect himself or the program, to protect the players. I respect that. I'm not one of the media members who says, we got to know, we have a right to know. No, the player has a right to be protected by his coach and his teammates. So, but this offense, so in so many ways otherwise, is just so productive. It has been able, generally, to make up for the pitching. But you're about to go into SEC play not that far away. And again, this weekend, uh, like I mentioned, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cal, uh, maybe you wouldn't say that's a, quote, SEC-type lineup, but it's going to be good quality competition. And certainly guys that you don't face over the years, so there's no personal scouting involved, no previous awareness of what any of those guys can do. So it's a good test of how guys for the Bulldogs walk out there and play people they don't know strictly off a quick scouting report, much like tournament time, not the SEC tournament, but the NCAA tournament. So that's one good reason to play these type of events as well. But the pitching has just got to get more consistent at throwing strikes. Not striking out, but throwing strikes. Do that more, then you don't have to worry about it. You'll get the better ground balls that maybe the defense can handle. If you have to strike them out, well and good. Takes the pressure off, but it does, you know, as Pat McMahon always noted, it does get your pitch count up if you try to get too many strikeouts out there. And you saw that last season from quite a few state starters. So the rotation will be different this weekend. Of course, that also shakes up how they're going to use the bullpen rotation. We, again, don't know what Aaron Nixon's going to be able to do. But you like the opportunities. And, of course, you have Landon Gartman, who I forgot to mention. You'll be your Game 3 starter in there. Talk about a priceless portal pickup. I would not have been surprised had he been moved up to the number one role this weekend. I think they like him better on Sunday because he is just about a sure thing win as you get in this business, matching up against a number three guy for other teams. 15 strikeouts, four walks, and 10 innings. And the batting average, 238, yeah, that can improve, but he's not walking a ton. He is giving up contact, and maybe some of that contact should be handled by his defensive team. See how I go round and round and always end up coming back to the defensive errors out there. You just got to get those things done. That said, 
If you keep scoring runs, it can erase a lot of sins. And State is scoring runs. More runs than they've left runners on base. That's holding up from last week. Let's see. Uh, more walks and strikeouts. Slugging average over 53%. Yes, early in the season. But 15 home runs through nine games? Maybe they won't come close to last year's ridiculous pace for homers. But it sure is nice getting more doubles than they did last year. Already up to 19 two-baggers. The RBI are coming with it. Instead of hitting solo home runs, they're hitting doubles that keep extending the innings, keep putting pressure on pitchers, raise the slugging average, push people home, and put you in stealing positions, which is something State's really good at. 15 of 16 so far in the season. And by the way, if in your preseason betting you said that the first Bulldog to get thrown out trying to steal a base would be Dakota Jordan, congratulations. That was totally unexpected. Then again, there was a ball last week where Dakota Jordan utterly stole a pitcher's soul with a shot that maybe has landed a day or two ago. Oh my word, did he crush that ball. So we'll we'll let him go on that. The greater point about this batting order's progress so far, you look through it real quick. The top three hitters are all first-year guys. Okay, technically Bryce Chance is not first year because he redshirted last season, but he's playing his first ever games. He's batting third best on the team, right behind transfer Amani Larry. And up at the top, Colton Ledbetter batting a clean 400. The three of them together have eight of states, I'm sorry, seven of states, 15 home runs, and they account already for 43 over half of state's RBI have come from these three batters. Two of them at the top, and they're still using chance down towards the bottom of the order. I don't know if that changes. It sure is nice having somebody in the eight hole who can get it done. And you almost wonder, hey, if Lane Forsythe can keep hitting a little bit like he does and keep stealing bases, maybe move chance into the nine hole, then all of a sudden pitchers have to face that sort of rotation, nine, one, two, three, coming up around there. That could be sort of a nightmare for coaches who usually like to make their pitching changes down towards the bottom of the order. Well, you can't if you're facing a guy like Bryce Chance. Luke Hancock, his average has cooled off a little bit, but he's still producing quite well, at the plate at least. I think it's pretty clear he needs to be a first baseman most of the time. That depends on how fast Ross Highfield can develop. Well, he's gotten four starts in his five games. So I think that's being expedited at this point. They're trying to push him, get him out there as fast as they can. His batting average, 467, but he's only had 15 at-bats. Still good. However, six strikeouts, zero walks. So maybe he needs to work on that, get a little more bat control. Then again, as a catcher, sometimes you just want to swat the ball and get back in the dugout, rest up, and be ready for the next inning's work. Now, I think the bigger key offensively, and boy, is it tough to kind of say that there's a key to getting better offensively. Well, there is. Jordan can definitely hit better than 235. He can slug better than 353. He's seen that. That was not a lucky shot. He has legitimate power like that. He he should have more than one double after 34 at-bats this time. He's going to get there. The guy is just too talented not to end up hitting for power, for average, for RBI, for everything. We know Hunter Hines can hit for power, average, and everything. 
Well, he's off to a pretty slow start, 233. Does have two home runs, but he's um, he's just not coming through as expected. Now, will he be another case of a slow starter, as State's had so many years before, and come on when it heats up, i.e. right in the time for conference season? That would be certainly welcome, because you know he can do it, all the more so for Kellum Clark. He's sub-200 right now. Still two home runs, so the power is also still there. Six walks. He's showing better eye at the plate. His contact is just not producing base hits at this point. But you know he can. See, that's the key to it. You know that Hines and Clark can hit the ball because you've seen them do it. The fact they're struggling right now is should not be discouraging. Well, I'm sure it is to them, but it should be encouraging to the offense as a whole that probably when some of these other guys at the top start sliding down, have their inevitable cool spots, it'll be time for guys like Clark and Hines to step it up and be the players they've been before. I think that's actually an encouraging situation for this offensive team. So offense is there. And, uh, oh, by the way, I mentioned the top three batters all being first-year guys. They're also all 12 of 12 stealing. I'm really fascinated by the fact that choosing to redshirt a player then bringing in two proven transfers. One was brought in for power, but boy, he's shown he can run the bases as well. And it's just, I think that uh, after a couple of tough years, some tough luck and some maybe misjudgments in recruiting, the transfer portal has solved quite a few problems for Chris Lamonis as far as this team and moving forward. So there you have it. You've got the Bulldogs going out to Texas. With a new rotation, they have a chance to make a real run. And I don't worry about uh, the the fact that there's not a ranking in front of their name. If that comes, great. Right now, all that matters is get the wins back up. Start making some moves in the RPI category because Louisiana Monroe is going to come back to haunt. And there's always that one or two game at the early season. You look back and think, if we just took care of that, we'd be in okay shape. Unlike last year, I think they'll be able to make up for this one if they just keep playing the way they have, except, again, throw more strikes and field the ball when it's hit your way. Oh, and after they return from Texas, of course, you have the home series with Lipscomb. And March 14th and 15th, they're down in Biloxi for a set with Nichols and Lafayette. Uh, Okay, they call themselves Louisiana. I'm sorry, I still call them Lafayette. They should consider themselves lucky. I don't call them southwestern Louisiana, which is what they were. Maybe still are. I digress. So make your plans to be in Biloxi in the middle of March. That's that's during spring break. No, spring break is what? Next? Yes, that's during spring break. What am I thinking about? Now, who doesn't get spring break? Basketball Bulldogs. And they want to be playing in spring break this year, and they have their chance to. It would have been much better in every sense had Vanderbilt lost to Kentucky. I know, I know, we're all old SEC folk and we love to see the big blue go home bluey-eyed. Mississippi State would have been helped out had Vanderbilt lost. The fact that the Commodores won the game means that now they are locked in, I believe, to the number six seed at worst now. No matter what Mississippi State does when they play at the Commodores, this Saturday evening. And by Saturday evening, I mean the last game of the SEC regular season. 
So all you fans can spend the day preparing or pre-pouring as it may serve you best, watching other games, watching scores, not so much now for conference standing. Instead of having a chance to jump up as high as sixth, had things played out, I believe State now is capped as high as number eight. Uh, they're currently tied for, let's see, I think they are in fact tied for eighth. The tiebreaker is a sketchy one between Arkansas and Florida. It's a one of those combined against uh, the top teams in the conference. And State's win over Texas A&M is the edge they have because neither the Gators nor the Razor Swine were able to beat the Aggies. I'm sorry, Arkansas split with the Aggies. You see how arcane some of these tiebreakers can get. So if State wins at Vanderbilt, they will end up eighth. If they lose at Vanderbilt and Arkansas and Florida also lose their games, State will still be number eight. But if Arkansas beats Kentucky at home, and Kentucky right now looks, again, beatable, and Arkansas, of course, beat them in Lexington, and Florida is at... LSU, no, Florida is hosting LSU, which I think a couple of weeks ago was willing to punch the ticket and just go home for the summer. I'm concerned that right now, even if State finishes strong, they're going to finish up 10th in the SEC. Is that necessarily a terrible thing? Well, no, only in the sense that it impacts your seating in the conference tournament. But does it really nip into your NCAA tournament opportunities? Not so much. Much like state lost ground in the NCAA's net rankings. State was, let's see, 40 starting the week. They beat South Carolina, dropped to 44. Uh, this morning they moved up to 43. How does that happen? Well, that's when you play the number 238 team in the net, you're going to lose ground. Those of us who followed baseball RPI for decades understand that. Is it fair or nice? No. And ironically, South Carolina moved up four spots, as I see. Well, good for them. It doesn't mean a darn thing because they're not going anywhere except to Nashville for a one and done. Still, Mississippi State sitting there at 43 net. Beat Vanderbilt. You'll be back in the top 40, somewhere in the 30s most likely. Although Vanderbilt has themselves, they're only, what, 85 right now? That's kind of a comment on their entire schedule because the Commodores have gotten hot here in late SEC season. There is a thought, maybe only in my thought, but there is a thought that Mississippi State and Vanderbilt are playing not just for a NCAA bid this Saturday. They may be playing for the same bid. All right, stay with me on this one. Right now, Mississippi State is projected as one of those last four teams in in both of the major bracketology outlets. That's good. It's certainly better than you were several weeks ago. It also means that you're as vulnerable as one really bad loss or a bunch of upsets elsewhere, never mind bid stealing from other conferences that always happens this time of year. So State is far, far from being assured of NCAA tournament status. Beating Vanderbilt would be a huge step in that direction. I won't go so far to say as it would lock up a bid, but I think it would leave them in position of having one all but in proverbial hand to lose when they go to Nashville a second time for the SEC's tournament next week. 
Should they lose to Vanderbilt, they're going to be 8-10 and 10 SEC, either ninth or 10th in the conference standings. You know, the NCAA selectors, I don't believe, pay that much attention to conference finish. It's one of those factors that gets weighed in when all other factors are equal enough. Certainly, let's say Vanderbilt, in fact, uh, could finish well ahead of state in the standings and still not get an NCAA bid. When I say that both teams are playing for the same bid, it's more so state immediately, but Vanderbilt long-term because they need to not only beat Mississippi State, they need to win a game or two in the conference tournament. Mississippi State, should they beat the Commodores this weekend? And this is a really strange matchup. I've caught Vanderbilt a few times. This is an unusual team in the sense of how you defend them. And boy, does Mississippi State defend well. What? Leading the league in shooting defense, scoring defense, um, steals, those things. Uh, Top in the elite nationals status in all these categories, which hasn't been done for a long time. And as I think I noted before, the last time this was done by Mississippi State in terms of scoring defense, it was when Bob Boyd was coaching and the four corners offense he ran only allowed about one shot every minute. So scoring was always going to be low in those games. I don't know. There, there are games I can sit there and say, I like this matchup. I don't like this matchup. I don't know what to think of this matchup with Vanderbilt. Now, I'm going to say home court does not mean what it used to at Vanderbilt. Once upon a time, it was a real thing. I've been there many times for basketball and can see that, yeah, it shakes things up. Te- visiting teams who aren't used to the rather unique setup of the marina could get shaken up. But guys play in so many different places, uh, major city arenas, small college campuses, all sorts of places. I don't think that matters nearly as much. And frankly, Vanderbilt's fan base is just not as vigorous and active as they used to be either. So I'm not concerned about the Bulldogs getting shaken up by a road game. They've proven they can win on the road. Uh, Defense travels. And Mississippi State definitely has defense that definitely travels. I just think they have to go out there and make some more shots. Uh, Rather simplistic analysis. Well, as I said on SEC Radio this week when talking to Cole and Aaron, you look at this team and see you've got the number one shooter in the SEC in Tolu Smith. And congratulations to him. He's sure to be on your all-SEC teams when they come out soon. Hopefully he gets what he deserves in the form of the Bailey Howell Award in next week as well. However, the rest of the team combined means that State is only ninth as a club in SEC shooting. What does that say about how the rest of the club is is making baskets? It says they're not compared to their leading shooter. However, they've made enough shots to go on a winning streak over the last several weeks. There have been, and even the losses were nail biters, where if you get a rebound, don't give up a second chance, you're going to claw out a win somewhere. And this team loves to claw out wins. They're comfortable doing it. They seem to enjoy it more so. I really wonder how this bunch would react if they had a blowout. They might get bored. But, well, I'd sure think they'd enjoy trying it. That said, this is a team that needs to put a few more points up on the board, especially in a road game like this. 
and set the tone. You come out of Nashville the first time, 9-9 SEC, and with a RPI net in the 30s, I think you're in outstanding shape. Plus, you're going to get a favorable matchup in the SEC tournament. One win there would almost absolutely lock up an NCAA selection bid. It might even get the Bulldogs out of that first four series games played on the Tuesday night. So I think what bumped them up, I think they're projected now as an 11th seed in most places. If you get up past that, I mean, it doesn't improve your chances of winning a championship. Now, this team is not going to win a championship because they just don't score well enough. But it gives you a better shot to get avoid those powerhouses on the first day. You don't want to run into that situation where you're already playing a one or two seed in the second round. Well, you certainly don't want to play them in the first round either. Now, you've got the chance if you win this one. If you lose it, well, then you got to go up there and probably win a game or two. Now, again, even if State loses Saturday, as I look at the road to Nashville published by the SEC, I think they would end up playing Florida on the first day. Right now, even I'll give Florida credit. They beat Georgia last night. Not a huge victory for a team that lost its best player. That's a credit. Give us a rematch with Florida, win that game, and you probably keep your net ranking solid enough to not have to worry about making any sort of further run at, at uh, I want to start to say Hoover, so much more used to that, than Nashville. So State can do itself infinite, infinite good on Saturday. Vanderbilt, of course, is playing for their NCAA lives as well. They know they need to do more than just win this game, whereas State really practically just needs to win this game. And then they can go up to the SEC tournament and think about more polishing the resume than building one. That's how tight it is. But I also want to remind that if you just flash back to the middle of January, and when State was off to such a struggling start with just the win over Ole Miss to show for their first few weeks on the SEC trail, and you're riding the season off saying, well, James is a good coach, they'll play defense, but boy, this is going to be just a struggling year, and let's see what happens next year. No, he's already shown that he can put this bunch together and get the maximum out of them on both ends of the floor and get right up to the verge of an NCAA tournament bid. It's within their reach. They can do it. And we'll find out Saturday evening when Mississippi State is at Vanderbilt. Like I said, there's all those other games. Oh, by the way, not just SEC games. If you um, check out some of those bracketology listings and look at the teams and figure out who you want to lose in out-of-conference play. For instance, it would be probably quite helpful if Memphis, West Virginia, um, Nevada, teams like that, if they started taking some lumps here and falling off the map because all state would need to do then is not even advance by winning, just advance by not losing, if you get the idea there. Put yourself more solidly in the field, then you don't have to worry about as much come Selection Sunday, and for that matter, don't have to worry about getting selected on Sunday and playing on Tuesday. That's what they're looking for. But you know, as I said, middle of January, if you said, here's the chance you're going to get, 
you're going to have an ch- opportunity at the very end to play to squeak in the tournament. Those Bulldogs would have grabbed it like a loose rebound. In fact, if they grabbed a few more loose rebounds, they would be locked in already. But, you know, toughness counts. This team is tough, and they survive tough challenges emotionally and physically as well. So here they are in position to make their run. And here we are in the doghouse in position to make our own run to the exits. We're glad that you joined us here. We appreciate you. Check out our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcasts. If you don't like what you're hearing, just for the heck of it, give us a like anyway. Who says you can't be contrary? I'm your host, David Murray, and I appreciate you checking in with us. We'll be talking to you next week. And by then, we'll have a much clearer picture of what state's going to do. We'll certainly have the SEC tournament bracket set up. By the way, state is assured now by beating South Carolina. They don't have to play on the first round. That's out of the picture. So you can relax until next Thursday regardless. But don't relax too much because there's a lot of baseball this weekend to play as well. We'll talk about it. Check in with us. And thank you for listening to another edition of The Doghouse. This is your host, David Murray. And go dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.